From MPB Think Radio, this is In Legal Terms, a show all about you and your rights. I'm Sharita Brent here with Professor Richard Gershon of the University of Mississippi School of Law. And our guest this morning is Antonia Ellison, international trade expert and assistant professor of school of law at the University of Mississippi School of Law. Right now, there is a lot of global discontent surrounding the economy and trade policy, which we see in the debates over the Trans-Pacific Partnership and Brexit. Today, we'll talk more about the TPP, what it is and how it could affect Mississippians. We'll also talk about the potential effect of Brexit on Americans. Give us a call this morning at 877-MPB-RING with your questions and comments about trade policy and our economy, or if you have any thoughts on Brexit. The number is 877-672-7464 or email legalterms at mpbonline.org. We'll be back right after the news. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. And welcome back to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. This is a show all about you and your rights. I'm Sharita Brent here with Professor Richard Gershon of the University of Mississippi School of Law. And our guest this morning is Antonia Ellison, an international trade expert and assistant professor of law at Ole Miss. And right now we are going to be talking about uh, the global discontent that surrounds the economy. And we'll talk about trade policy, which we can see in the debates over the Trans-Pacific Partnership and Brexit. So we'll talk more today about the TPP and what it is, how it could affect Mississippians. And we'll also talk about the potential effect of Brexit on Americans. You can give us a call this morning at any time. 877-MPB-RING is the number. That's 877-672-7464 if you have any questions about our economy and trade policy or your thoughts on Brexit. 877-MPB-RING is the number or email legalterms at mpbonline.org. Good morning, Professor Gershon and uh, Attorney Ellison. Good morning, Sarita. And it is really great to have Professor Ellison on today. She practiced law extensively in Europe and has a you know, good knowledge, excellent knowledge of European trade and how it affects the United States. So I'm, I'm going to learn a lot today as well. Yes. Yeah, and thanks for having me on again. Absolutely. Uh, I recall we did have you on. I can't remember what we were talking about the, the first time we had you on, but it was a totally different topic than this. So uh, this, this yep, is... I think we talked about contracts. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, so this is kind of talking about a contract between us and different countries. So uh, we'll, we'll get into that. So let's talk about the TPP in particular. Um, you know, some of the, the our presidential nominees right now, um, there are lots of news stories about how they don't differ uh, too much in their thoughts about the TPP and trade policy. And that's a really um, that's a, a topic that is uh, coming up quite often in this presidential debate. Right now, we're talking about trade and things like that. But when we talk specifically about the TPP, what is it for those who may not know? The TPP is the Trans-Pacific Partnership, and it's a regional trade and investment agreement um, that was negotiated between the United States and 11 other countries, um, Australia, Brunei, Canada, Chile, Japan, Malaysia, Mexico, New Zealand, Peru, Singapore, and Vietnam. And the text of the TPP was finalized in November 2015. Um, It has yet to be ratified or or agreed to by any of the countries. Um, But basically, it is meant to be a deeper level of economic integration that goes beyond just trade policy to create rules that can be applied across the members of this, as they call it, a mega regional, which would facilitate both investment and trade. So you said there are 11 other countries involved. Um, Is it just cut off? 
are there any other countries that can join eventually? Yes. So it's been designed with the view of potentially expanding. Um, South Korea has talked about potentially joining it if it comes into being. Um, as the name suggests, the Trans-Pacific Partnership, it is truly Trans-Pacific, right? We have countries from North America, from Latin America, from Southeast Asia and East Asia and Oceania. So that's also somewhat unusual for a regional agreement because usually we think about these kinds of trade agreements being more like NAFTA, um, the North American Free Trade agreement, which is between um, Mexico, Canada, and the U.S. So let's talk about what makes NAFTA and the TPP different. So NAFTA, the TPP has been described as NAFTA plus. So it goes to a deeper level of integration. It covers more sectors than NAFTA ever did. And part of the motivation behind the TPP was to negotiate it as a view, with a view to offsetting China's power. So kind of to make a regional powerhouse that would stand not in opposition, but to stand up against China because China is such a huge economic powerhouse in the Pacific region that it was worried that otherwise um, they wouldn't really be able to to make any economic progress. Um, And so one word that I see that keeps coming up is tariffs uh, when we're talking about this particular partnership. So can you talk about the importance of tariffs? Yeah, tariffs are basically taxes on imports or exports. Um, And tariffs are a way of getting revenue. They're also a way of being protectionist, a way of making it too expensive for countries to, say, export goods into your country. Now, with the World Trade Organization, which has 164 member countries, um, all of the countries have negotiated tariff reductions over the past few decades. Um, With the TPP, there's a further level of tariff reduction that would be negotiated. And that's obviously been one of the big concerns sort of from a political perspective as well, whether we can do something about these tariffs. All right. Tony, you've done... Can I... I'm sorry, Sharita. Go ahead. It seems to me that one thing about the TPP, one positive is, like NAFTA, like any agreement is it just sets rules i mean maybe maybe that's always been my thing is you know lawyers we're trying to set instructions for people and this just makes the instructions uniform across various trade partners we have in this country the uniform commercial code uh which did the same thing for states and i think it's been very successful so i mean is it similar or I think in some respects, that's why, you know, when they talk about mega regionals, this idea that there is a deeper level of integration, yes, we are talking about rule setting in a context where you can actually have international, the rules are not international, but it would allow for domestic rule creation to harmonize effectively the legal system. But I think you need to be cautious because the TPP covers areas like environment and labor, and for instance, It makes very little progress on environmental aspects. It does make some progress on labor regulations. For instance, we have commitments from Vietnam and Brunei that they will allow for a certain amount of labor rights that they did not allow previously, because obviously that's one of the big concerns with losing American jobs is that we're going to lose them to countries that don't have the same kinds of labor protections. 877-MPB-RING is the number if you want to join the conversation. If you have any questions about trade policy, uh, we're talking about the Trans-Pacific Partnership. If you have any questions about that or Brexit, which we'll get to throughout the show, 877-MPB-RING is the number. If you have any concerns about how these things could affect you as a Mississippian or an American, call us at 877-672-7464 or email legalterms at mpbonline.org. 
Um, so, uh, Attorney Eliason, when we talk about uh, what particular goods are affected with this partnership, are we talking about textiles and clothing um, on, with those tariffs, removing those tariffs? What particular goods are we talking about? I mean, the TPP is extremely broad. So we're talking about various tariff concessions across a range of different categories. Um, I think where, where the concerns lie is actually less in the effect of the tariffs, but more in the fact that when we have a larger group of countries, the, the worry is that potential loss of jobs, right? And that's been the concern with outsourcing. It's been the concern that perhaps with tariff reductions, it will become so much cheaper to bring in goods from, say, Vietnam, that Americans will lose jobs um, in light of these kinds of, of imports. Um, so, so it would cover a broad range of goods. Obviously, in some sectors like agriculture, we never really negotiate much in the way of tariff concessions because we have certain subsidies on our agricultural sector. But, for instance, one area of concern for Mississippians is um, the catfish issue, which I'm sure some of our listeners are familiar with. It's been, you know, the catfish wars with Vietnam have been an ongoing um, problem for years, and Senator Cochran has done a lot um, to try to protect the Mississippi fishing industry or, or the catfish industry. Um, so that, that may be an issue that comes up as it is, you know, there's been some uh, there's, there's been some recognition within Congress that the program in place um, to basically address the importing of catfish by imposing certain fines or rather in, uh, inspection costs on Vietnam has been already deemed by the Senate um, as part of a bipartisan resolution that um, it is a violation of it, – it's basically a redundant program and it's something we need to do away with. But that actually has less to do with the TPP and I think more a recognition that the WTO um, might very well find – uh, the Vietnamese, the program we have for inspection of Vietnamese catfish to be a violation of WTO rules. So TPP or no TPP, the U.S. and the 163 other countries are still subject to the World Trade Organization trade rules. So um, I, I find it interesting that you were talking about losing jobs because I was looking at some of the pros and, and cons, and uh, many say that the TPP would create more jobs and prosperity for those 12 countries involved. Um, it projects that the exports would increase by $305 billion per year by 2025. So, I mean, how do you determine who's right and who's wrong? Because you have folks on the left saying one thing, folks on the right saying another. Uh, is there any way to accurately predict these things? Well, one thing that you can always say about trade deals is that people will lose jobs. Um, there will always be losers in a trade situation. Some job loss is likely. Um, wages are projected to increase slightly, but there will definitely be losers, especially in the manufacturing sector. And it is up to us, if we're entering into an agreement like this, to ensure that the losers, that the people whose jobs are taken away from them, have some form of retraining or alternative jobs that are also created. So especially right now where we see just sort of wages stagnating um, on a global level and we see job growth um, declining, or at least the kind of jobs that people would like to have. Um, this is a global phenomenon, but there's no question that the TPP will both boost um, GDP, will boost imports, it will help our economy, but there will be a certain number of people who will be negatively affected. And I guess so. My, my question is, so it seems like, you know, we talk about a free market, we talk about competition being a good thing, and it seems to me the TPP really tries to uh, level the playing field for all these countries which means you got to compete. And, and when there's competition, somebody's going to lose. Is that fair to say? 
I mean, I think that's the natural way that the trade works, and I think that's where it can get kind of stepped upon as a political issue because people will say, you know, well, we don't want to lose any jobs. However, the flip side to that is if we have more protectionist measures, let's say we increase tariff rates, then the cost of goods coming into this country becomes much greater, and then our average citizen, winner or loser, can't afford to purchase as much. So if we view consumption and if we view wealth as somehow being a product of purchasing, then our purchasing power certainly would decrease in the absence of trade agreements. All right, we need to take a quick break, and you can give us a call at any time this morning at 877-MPB-RING. We're talking about the Trans-Pacific Partnership, also known as TPP, and trade policy in general. You can give us a call if you have any questions or comments about how do you think these things could affect Mississippians? Are you having any personal concerns about the economy and international trade policy? If you have any questions about Brexit, any thoughts on those things, call us at 877-MPB-RING. We do have some lines open. The number is 877-672-672. 7464 or email legal terms at mpbonline.org. We'll be back in just a moment. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. And welcome back to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. I'm Sharita Brent, joined by Professor Richard Gershon and Professor Antonia Ellison. And this morning, we are talking about the global discontent surrounding the economy and trade policy, which we've seen in debates over the Trans-Pacific Partnership and Brexit. So we're getting some clarity on those things today. And uh, we have lots of calls to get to. We are going first to Bob, who's in Collins, Mississippi, with a comment. Good morning, Bob. What do you have for us? Yes, how y'all doing? Doing well. Uh I'm against this, and every working American should be against it. It's nothing but another scheme to take jobs away from Americans. You talk, they talk about retraining uh, people to take other jobs, and and when they do, they only train to take service jobs because there's no more good manufacturing jobs that pay good money. And and they started out as a few hundred pages. And the Obama administration didn't want nobody to uh, read it. Now it's up to 5,000 pages of rhetoric bull to uh, make these trade deals with these foreign countries. And and everybody says, well, you know, when you enter into these agreements, you get uh, products and goods at a lower uh, price. In the junk they're manufacturing is nothing but garbage because it don't last no time. Anything that you get that's a cheaper price is made cheap, and such as China putting melamine in uh, pet food and other products and antibiotics and medicine that comes from these foreign countries. 
is nothing but filler or chalk and other uh, inert ingredients that degrade the value of the the uh, medicine you're getting, and it's a total corruption. And anybody's fired, it should be put in jail. Thank you. All right, Bob. Uh, thanks for your call. And he brought up some points that many people believe in about the idea of taking jobs. And there has also been some criticism of the TPP. Uh, many believe that some things were being negotiated behind closed doors and there ha- hadn't been enough uh, transparency and accountability. Uh, but, professors, your thoughts on Bob's comments? Yeah, I, I do want to make a, a point that the economic malaise that's being felt across the country and across the globe is real, and it is justified. The growth of populism that we have seen and the success of both the Sanders camp and in Donald Trump's success as well is based on real problems. And saying that you retrain workers, yes, it's absolutely right. We don't have good jobs to put people in. This is a problem we're having globally. There's another issue about the job loss that we're facing now. An increasing number of jobs that are being lost are being lost to automation, being lost to technology, not just to trade. So we're seeing generally a decline of manufacturing jobs that are even separate from the issue of trade. And that's something we are going to have to come to grips with, and it is a real issue. Now, as for the transparency point, that justifiably had a lot of criticism. The TPP was negotiated under strict secrecy. And part of that is to allow for all of these countries to bring their points to the table and to argue and debate and, and be forthright with each other. But it also is not um, – I think it, there is no benefit to keeping everything so ultimately secret that when the final package comes out, it's a surprise to everyone who sees it, especially because, as we've seen, the World Trade Organization recently successfully negotiated a new multilateral agreement, the Trade Facilitation Agreement, where every single draft was made public after every round of negotiations. So there are alternatives, and there are real concerns about the TPP. And, and Antonio, should, I think we – at least it should be pointed out, it seems like both the Democrats and the Republicans, as part of their platform, are not accepting of the TPP as it is written. So. This is a very unusual thing to see because, I mean, historically, free trade was sort of more of a Republican issue. And over the years, it's, it's waffled a little bit more. But in this election campaign, it is fascinating that neither candidate supports the TPP. And so at least not the TPP as it stands. Donald Trump flatly opposes it. Hillary Clinton opposes it as it currently stands. But there's um, almost no question in my mind that the TPP is not going to pass as it currently is. And it has to pass within each country's legislature. Is that how it works? Yes, that's correct. Each country will have to ratify it. Each country has a different process for making it into um, law. In the United States, we have what was known as fast track authority or um, the trade promotion um, authorization, which allows the president to negotiate a trade agreement without the participation of Congress, and then Congress will vote on it without the possibility of amendments, so they can either have a yes or no vote. Um, at this point, given the political situation, uh, I would be willing to put quite a lot of money on the fact that Congress is not going to be passing the TPP. All right. We go next to Kathleen, who's in Osaka with a comment. Good morning, Kathleen. What do you have for us? Uh, Laura, I'm trying to figure out how to be succinct about this without rambling. Okay. Basically, this country was founded not only on religion, but money which came from England, the Irish, the German, the French. We have a lot of heritage here. So it's not one people here. But when, when you raise a family, you have to take care of your family in order to deal with other families. 
where our country has been going, we are not taking care of our family, the people who pay the salaries, the people who put the money in the pot, the people with the Social Security. Wall Street seems to think we're a bunch of ignorant children that can't be talked to. And the government, who we elect to do our bidding, a lot of time doesn't follow anything. What we're faced with, with this economy going worldwide, which may or may not be a good thing. I may not be that smart. But on Tom Ashcroft last night, they had a pretty noty, uh, what do you call it, snooty guy or professor or something, and he was rambling on about how we don't need money, speaking about the populace of the United States, that we shouldn't have a $100 bill, we shouldn't have a $50 bill, uh, we should have everything on a card, everything safe. Look at the Nordic countries, point by point. All the Nordic countries, such as Sweden, Norway, and yada, yada, are all 40 to 50% of their income goes to the government. You can't ride a bus, get your teeth clean, have a child, buy a car without the government involved. We can't have freedom without money, which means if you wanted to stop by Grandpa so-and-so's farm and buy a dozen eggs and he doesn't have an ATM, how do you do it? And if there's a storm, like Katrina or such, there are no electrical powers. There are no banks available. How do you do it? Okay. Until okay. Somebody- Kathleen, do you, have a, do you have a final thought? We have some more calls to get to. I'm not trying to interrupt you. Do you have a final thought, though? I don't think the spread of this economic worldwide in favor of other countries to our sacrifice is not to our benefit. Okay. All right. We, we really appreciate those comments. Uh, professors, any thoughts? I mean, I think I think one of the the issues. There's no question that obviously we we do need to have money. We de- do need to look after our people. Um, but there is an argument to be made that if we become completely protectionist and isolationist, which happened in the past, it happened in the 1920s and 30s. Um, ultimately, everyone becomes worse off, and you have to find a balance. And I don't think the TPP is the right answer, but I think we should work within the existing frameworks of the trade agreements that we have, particularly the WTO agreements, and make it work and work to address these new models of um, manufacturing and new models of, of jobs that we are now facing also because of the rise in the growth in technology. Okay, we go next to Nate, who's in Jackson. Good morning, Nate. What do you have for us? Nate, are you there? Yes, ma'am. I'm here. Sorry about that. It's okay. Go ahead. I'm just listening to some of the comments. And just off the top of my head, um, the professor says it's their job to look after the people. The people should be able to look after themselves. You know, the central planning thing may be one of the biggest problems. And she seems to want all things where, you know, you may lose your job if TPP is enacted. But, hey, you'll have cheaper goods on the shelves. Well, if you have no job, Cheap eggs and cheap cheese don't matter. You can't purchase them anyway, not to mention the moral degradation that the society goes through when we lose our jobs to these countries, which we could easily compete with. We have the largest economy in the world. We don't seem to be leveraging that simple fact. If you look at any business, when they go to purchase something from another business, they say, hey, we can purchase this amount. We want it for less. We don't seem to want to do that. Um, further, you know, if you really want cheaper goods, it shouldn't come from manufacturing them in foreign places. It should come from manufacturing them 
closer to where they're actually consumed, thus reducing infrastructure and logistics. You know, um, product production and transportation adds more to our cost than anything. Right now, we're getting most of our products shipped across the ocean on freight liners, uh, uh, huge freighter ships that are burning diesel, blowing their ballast in foreign ports. So you have more to think about than just how cheap is this good that I'm selling to the people who I just put out of work. You need to think about the ecological damage that this global infrastructure that we're creating is causing. Um, you know, it really needs to stop. You can even tie the same thing to Zika. It seems to be some myth that these Zika mosquitoes have flown here. But it's not the case. It is people flying back and forth to Brazil for whatever business they have. And we start, we need to ask who's really benefiting from this. Is it us benefiting from having eggs two cents cheaper per egg? Or is it whoever's transporting these things thousands of miles? Or are they the ones benefiting? Okay, some very interesting thoughts there, Nate. I'm sure the professors have some thoughts on that. Yeah, um, one thing I do want to be cautious about is that, um, yes, we could try to sort of, let's say, let's say as, a, as an idea that we decide to kind of get rid of trade as it stands. One of the issues is the fact that if we raise, for instance, tariffs, and I know that's something Donald Trump has suggested, basically dissolving NAFTA, raising the tariff rate to 35% um, on Mexico, Mexico can do the exact same thing back to us. And while we can grow a large amount of our produce and we can make a lot of our goods internally, um, one of the areas that, for instance, we are outsourcing um, frequently is high-tech um, trains, transportation devices, Germany, Italy, France, all of these countries, developed countries, are manufacturing these. Why can't we be manufacturing these? So there are entire sectors where it would be worthwhile to invest in the infrastructure in our own country to bring back these highly skilled jobs, in fact, jobs building things that we didn't necessarily even build before. Now, as for the freighter um, ecological point, I, I agree 100%, and one of the most insane things about international trade is that it is cheaper to ship things by ocean than sometimes to actually prepare things domestically. One example was um, in the cod fishing industry in the North Atlantic, um, it was cheaper for the cod fishermen in Europe to send the cod to China on a boat, I'm not making this up, to send the cod to China on a boat for the cod to be prepared in China and then shipped back on a boat to Europe. Mm -hmm. And that is completely insane and environmentally disastrous. And we, we should be... You know, we sh there's basically very little rules that govern ocean freight transport, and we really should be imposing higher taxes for dumping ballast. We really need to be a lot more conscious about these things, and we should be making the whole freight thing more expensive because that would cut down on a huge amount of waste for things that could be done domestically. All right, we need to take a, a break. When we get back, we have Al and Frank and Bill and Randy. We'll get to you guys right after this break, so stay tuned. This morning, uh, we're talking about the, the global discontent surrounding the economy and trade policy, specifically discussing the Trans-Pacific Partnership, also known as the TPP, and uh, we may get to Brexit today as well. Call us at 877-MPB-RING if you have any questions or comments. We'll take a quick break, and we'll be back in just a moment.
This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. And welcome back to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. I'm Sharia Brent here with Professor Richard Gershon of the University of Mississippi School of Law. And our guest today is Antonia Ellison, international trade expert and assistant professor of law at the University of Mississippi School of Law. And today we've been talking about the Trans-Pacific Partnership, and we may get to Brexit, uh, but we're going to get to the calls right now. We've been talking about the, the economy and trade policy, how it could affect you as an American or a Mississippian. Al is in Brandon, uh, who may be in favor of the TPP, or at least have a positive comment about it. Good morning, Al. Thanks for holding. What do you have for us? Hey, thank you. I've got a, a quick comment about TPP and then a question about Brexit. Um, uh, back in the day when I graduated from college in the 60s, I went to, to work for a company by the name of IBM, and the founder of IBM, T.J. Watson, had a saying that always stuck with me, and that was world peace through world trade. Uh, the thought being the more economically interdependent we are with other countries, the less likely we are to go to war with them. Uh, and, and, and for that reason, I would support uh, a TPP. But my question on Brexit um, is, is there a way for Great Britain to uh, uh, back out of what they have done, the actions they've taken so far? Uh, and if so, how would they go about that? Okay, good questions, Al. Thank you so much. Go ahead, Professor. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So Brexit, they completely could back out. And this is one of the fun things about Brexit. So um, when they voted to leave the European Union, uh, they would still have to invoke Article 50 of the Treaty on the European Union, and that would have to be invoked by the government of the United Kingdom. Nobody's invoked it yet. And as much as the European Union is kind of annoyed with the UK and really would like them to start the process of leaving, they can't force them to do anything. So theoretically, it's very possible that the UK could just bumble along, never invoke Article 50, and then in a couple years hold another referendum, and if the outcome this time was not to leave, it would just go back to the way it was before. But I did want to also make a comment on that absolutely lovely quote, that world peace through world trade. And I do want to briefly mention that the origins of the trading system as we know it today, as was established with the 1947 General Agreement on Tariffs and Trade, better known as the GATT, Um, It came about in the aftermath of the Second World War, and one of its goals was to prevent anything like the Second World War from ever happening again. And one of the drivers that helped, you know, it wasn't the cause of, but it was one of the drivers that helped lead to the situation of the Second World War was this really increasing protectionism. So the goal in the creation of the trading system was actually to enhance welfare for everyone by helping economies grow through free trade, not through government intervention, and through reaping the benefits of free trade. And I think over the past few decades, the international trading system has lost sight of that original mission and And perhaps the solution, um, which I certainly would advocate for, is to go back to that welfare-enhancing mission where you support free trade with a view of improving people's lives. All right. uh, Al, thank you so much for your call. We go next to Frank, who's in Jackson. Good morning, Frank. What do you have for us? Hello? Hey, Frank, you're on the air. Oh, okay. Uh, A couple of things. Number one, uh, the TPP, whatever you call it, is definitely going to pass. Uh, under the same political techniques used to make sure that gun legislation uh, never comes up. 
the Congress we have elected is bought and paid for by people who say corporations, and that's not really the whole story. Uh, corporation is a nameless, mindless thing that exists to create profits for the owners, and the owners of the corporations are not basically the millions of stockholders. It is the hundreds of thousand persons who own the preferred stock and the bonds, et cetera, et cetera. So we need to stop talking about corporations and start talking about the 1%, the people who control these corporations. And the previous caller had a good point. Who is making the money? Money is being made by a very small number of people in a system that has been around for thousands, of, excuse me, hundreds of years, Rothschilds, Rockefellers, the Vatican, et cetera, et cetera. So what can we do here in Mississippi uh, to help ameliorate this problem in Mississippi? Number one, stop or think more about who you are electing and what they do when they get there. Uh, there's something about being elected to Congress that, uh, there was a couple of movie comedies made about once you get elected, um, no matter what side you support, there's going to be somebody willing to give you a campaign contribution. So basically it's a money-making operation. Think about who you're electing to Congress. Don't elect people just because, of, say, uh, we're going to keep the blacks down, or we're going to uh, do free trade. Or we... Think about the character of the people you are putting in place, because once they get to Congress, they become a whole new animal. And instead of uh, having all these frustrations about international politics, what can we do in Mississippi in our cities where we hopefully can't control what's going on to make things better on that level and then go from that point? Politics is local. Start locally. Um, the march toward internationalism is not going to stop. I mean, this is, it makes sense uh, economically, politically. You know, uh, free trade is, uh, you know, free peace, et cetera, et cetera. And what is happening is that all the benefits that the United States gained during World War II, where trillions of dollars were sucked out of Europe and given to the United States because we kept out of the war, it's all going back there again. And uh, so think carefully about who you vote for, their character. Can this person be bought? That's basically what it comes down to. It's not what the American people want or else we have gun legislation. And I love the show. Thank you so much. Okay, Frank, thank you so much for those comments. Uh, 877-MPB-RING is the number if you want to join the conversation. Uh, we're talking about the economy and trade policy this morning, specifically the Trans-Pacific Partnership. If you have any questions or comments about that, call us at 877-MPB-RING. Um, and before we go to Bill, professors, I wanted to give you an opportunity to respond to Frank's comments. Yeah, I think absolutely you need to focus on your local politicians. You do need to look at whether or not they can be bought or sold. I think there's no question that, again, the rise of populism in America is also reflective of the fact that many Americans are justifiably frustrated with the establishment and with the way that politicians have perhaps as long as politicians have existed, but especially more transparently so, been um, Pray to the lobbying industry. So absolutely, make, be very careful about who you vote for. And it seems like, you know, there are people that are elected who are supposed to be doing public service and they're doing self-service, and that's what we really need to, to look at. So good comments. Okay, we go next to Bill in Water Valley. Bill, thank you so much for holding. What do you have for us? Hello? Hey, you're on the air, Bill. Okay. Um, my comment is that... Um, if I understand the, uh, the legislation correctly, that corporations would have more power than sovereign nations. And um, 
the, the, the main crux of this um, situation is the litigation commission that would decide um, um, uh, in, in the uh, suits that would be brought by the corporations against nations. And um, that this uh, panel of, I presume, corporate lawyers, judges perhaps, uh, would be meeting in secret to decide um, the fate of uh, national sovereignty. I think it, uh, it, it, it goes against the Constitution, and uh, I think it's a very dangerous uh, road to go down. Uh, the, the, the fact that um, uh, Obama wants to uh, fast-track this thing and allow a very minimal amount of debate, I think it's like one or two minutes for a senator to get up there and talk about this, and it's an up-and-down vote is just uh, uh, absurd. I think we need a vigorous national debate on this thing. And I think you saw this in what uh, the Brexit was all about. Brexit is a parallel to this exact situation. They saw that they were getting trapped in a um, situation with the EU where they had uh, unelected bureaucrats deciding their laws, their sovereign laws, in Brussels. So... um, I think they 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 uh, they clearly saw it. I think there was a fantastic debate in Britain with Nigel Farage, who, by the way, came to Mississippi to give a speech just recently, and I thought that was um, quite a uh, international um, movement uh, at, at its uh, at its uh, inception. Uh, so that's what I have to say. Okay, Bill. Thank you for those comments, professors. Any thoughts? Yes, absolutely. And I was really hoping I would get to talk about the investor state dispute settlement mechanism at some point in relation to the TPP. So thank you for bringing that up in your call. Um, this is really one for, for legal junkies and for policy people, less so for the people who are concerned about jobs, but for people who are really worried about this agreement, the ISDS, the investor state dispute settlement mechanism in the agreement is really the point of legitimate concern. So what this does is it allows corporations to sue foreign governments in arbitration. Now, arbitration means you're not going before a court. It's going to be Uh, secret, it's going to have arbitrators, and it can be very costly for governments, and it can undermine their ability to regulate domestically effectively. Now, ISDS is not new. NAFTA has ISDS provisions in it, and yes, there have been a large number of ISDS claims brought by corporations as part of NAFTA. It has been a sore point of contention for a long time. It's interesting because in that respect, um, there's a parallel agreement currently being negotiated, the TTIP, um, which is between the EU and the U.S. And the EU actually came out and said, you know what, we don't want to have an ISDS mechanism. We want a permanent court of um, investor dispute resolution where basically it would operate more as a transparent court system. It would have more legitimacy and you wouldn't have that secrecy and the potential of undermining government regulation. So ISDS is a legitimate concern in the agreement. In fact, it is one of the points that um, potentially could be a reason to reopen negotiations over TPP because there's the possibility that the U.S. could request a carve-out from it and have reciprocal carve-outs. Now, the thing about fast-track is as much as a vigorous debate might be wanted, we've had fast-track since 1974. So that is kind of the default way we've gone about trade agreements, and I'm not saying it's the right way, but it would definitely 
um, take a reimagining of how we handle our trade negotiations. And if you think about the number of different congressmen and their constituents that they represent, I don't think you'd ever pass any kind of trade agreement because everyone would be beholden to some sort of interest at some point or another. All right, Bill, thank you for that call. And we're going to take our final break. Maggie, we'll get to you right after the break. We'll talk a little bit about uh, Brexit and its implications and also if any of the current presidential nominees are um, proposing any trade policy solutions. We'll talk about that after the break. We still have some lines open if you want to join the conversation. We've been talking about the economy and trade policy today, specifically the Trans-Pacific Partnership. Call us if you have any questions or thoughts. 877-MPB-RING is the number or email legalterms at mpbonline.org. This is Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. And welcome back to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. I'm Sherita Brent here with Professor Richard Gershon and Professor Antonia Ellison. We've been talking about trade policy today, the economy, and the Trans-Pacific Partnership. Um, and really quickly, before we get back to the phones, uh, Professor, just wanted to ask about Brexit. Um, just a general question about that. Is there a possibility that Brexit could affect Americans if it actually went through? So I think in an immediate sense, I mean, the only way it's really going to affect Americans is if you want to go to on vacation to the United Kingdom, now would be a very good time because the pound is extremely weak. It's about $1.33 to the pound down from where it used to be, which was about $1.6, $1.7 to the pound. Um, but there will be... I think greater impacts if we're actually looking at the geopolitical considerations that it raises. Um, if the EU were to crumble because of instability created by the UK leaving, we would suffer economic effects and quite serious economic effects because the EU is our largest trading partner and vice versa. So we've negotiated some favorable tariff rates. We have close links with the European Union, which helps us export more of our goods. Um, and there's also some potential concerns that as if the European Union weakens, then Russia will get stronger and perhaps reexert some influence over the former Eastern Bloc countries that are now part of the EU, but their relationship with the EU is somewhat shaky. So all of that could have knock-on effects on Americans. All right, we're going to try to squeeze in these last few calls. We go first to Maggie, who's in Wiggins. Good morning, Maggie. What do you have for us? Yes. Hey, go ahead. You're on the air. Oh, fine. Uh, my comments are a little bit on the general side. As far as global, globalization and uh, computer technology is concerned, we can't stop those. Th that barn door closed a long time ago, but we can do some things to harness them. There are basically three factions involved in this entire situation, and they are the government, uh, our American industry, and the American public. Part of the problem involved is the fact that 
we have consistently allowed these American companies to take their manufacturing overseas without in any way, shape, or form penalizing them. You take a company, for example, like Microsoft, that the Irish are now trying to fine $15 billion because of the not paying taxes there. Every time these things happen, these companies yell, but we're American companies. You can't tax us. Yes, but they're not being taxed in this country appropriately. Something needs to be done about that, and we, as the American public, needs to stand up and say, yes, we love our iPhones, yes, we love our iPads, yes, we love our computers, but by God, it's high time we decided to do some boycotting if the government refuses to tax these companies appropriately when they take their industry overseas instead of giving these jobs to Americans. All right, Maggie, thank you so much for your comments. We really appreciate your perspective. Uh, we're going to stay on the phones going next to Cornish, who's in Memphis. Good morning, Cornish. What do you have for us? Yes, um, two things. One, um, the uh, NAFTA and uh, the appendage to NAFTA was the Caribbean Basin Initiative. And the idea was if you up here, you have a company and you uh, want to uh, save some money, you're paying 35% taxes, you go ahead and you pass it through, for example, Jamaica. Uh, when you bring it back, uh, you pay 16% on it. Well, Recently, uh, we were manufacturing T-shirts down there, and then the earthquake occurred in Haiti, and a very famous foundation, who shall remain nameless here, but a very famous foundation, spoke to the, uh, the, the Ames people, and uh, they yanked the, uh, the manufacturing in Jamaica and put it in Haiti. So now when you go to Walmart, you buy T-shirts that says, Made in Haiti. Hmm. Secondly, uh, Brexit. I think uh, is probably the best thing that they did. Uh, England attempted to do the same thing with Jamaica in the 1959-60s uh, area. They tried to get us into a, uh, a confederation with all of the other Caribbean islands. And we stood up and we said no. Uh, we wanted our independent country and uh, we voted. And the referendum was 93% for. And uh, August 6, 1962, we gained independence. You cannot have uh, any type of collaboration when you still want your queen on your money. And uh, that is why the EU was never going to work with Great Britain. And I think it's a good thing that they finally got out. They got into something that they were trying to get us in. We stayed out of it. And uh, we're moving along with independence. And uh, they will get along just fine without being a part of uh, the European Union. That's all I have to say. Okay, thank Cornish, thank you so much for your calls. And, professors, we have one more call we're going to try to sneak in, and hopefully you can get the last word. Victoria is in Macomb. Good morning, Victoria. Hey, uh, I just wanted to say that um, the Democratic platform uh, for this election uh, ha- it says very clearly that they're against TPP. Uh, mm. uh I was one of the people who um, lobbied, you know, to, I mean, as a citizen to, to, to make that happen. So, um, you know, there is, it's out there in the political world that TPP isn't necessarily going to happen. Okay. All right, Victoria, thank you so much. Um, so, professors, do you have any closing thoughts um, if you wanted to respond to that or talk about any, you know, policy solutions uh, proposed by either the uh, presidential nominees or any closing thoughts? Well, I suppose I do want to say that, you know, there are some things that we 
we need to be worried about. Um, I think on balance, um, although I do come out quite strongly negative about the TPP, and initially I was more positively inclined towards it, trade, however, is separate from the TPP, and trade itself is beneficial. But we have to recognize that people are genuinely concerned about their lack of economic opportunities. Even if the problem, the root problem isn't trade, if sufficient people get vocal about their opposition to it, elected officials could take positions that might actually result in greater isolationism and protectionism. So I think we need to go back to the roots of the trading system and sort of the, the general welfare enhancing free trade based model, which we moved away from in the last couple decades. We need to focus on helping countries develop at their own pace. I think we also do need to make sure that we hold corporations accountable and that they are properly taxed. And unfortunately, our trading system is very much um, a relic of an age when it was all about countries and, and uh, country countries dealing with countries. And we also have to recognize that somehow we need to regulate corporations because otherwise they slip through the cracks. And they are in many cases now much bigger economic powerhouses than many countries. Well, Professor Ellison, thank you so, so much for being on today. I think the show was excellent today. All the great feedback from the listeners. Uh, we appreciate you being on as well, Professor Gershon. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast. We are in the lead. So thanks to all of those who have downloaded our podcast already. You can go to mpbonline.org to do that, or you can use your podcast app on your uh, various tech devices. Thanks for joining us, folks. Coming up next is Southern Remedy, relatively speaking, with Dr. Susan Buttress. This is Think Radio. Think Radio.